Before we begin this episode of Happy Times and Places, we would like to warn listeners that there are a couple of moments of missing footage. There's a couple of occasions when the recording glitched a little bit and we just don't have the material anymore. Appropriately, then, for this episode, and you'll just have to use your imaginations to guess what the missing, ooh, half-syllables are. So, however, do not, when it happens, adjust your set. Normal service will be resumed. Welcome to Happy Times and Places. Basically, two Doctor Who fans, one story, between them, ten favourite things. But will their Venn diagram intersect? Well, you can only find out if you listen to Happy Times and Places. That's that's what this is. Hi there. My name is Pip Maidley, and I suppose I'm best known for being a Doctor Who nerd on Twitter. So if you're a fellow Doctor Who nerd on Twitter, then perhaps you might have heard of me. I'm taking time out today from babysitting Mavellans to watch one of my personal favourites. It's the classic 1966 William Hartnell story, The War Machines. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is time for episode three of The War Machines. Uh, The World Wide Web of The War Machines. The World Wide Web of Wotan. It's it's the most W story uh, that there could possibly be. Um, so we're going to press play in three, two, one. Uh, well, welcome back uh, to an episode that did not exist when I was a youngster many, many moons ago. It's astonishing to think of how many episodes were actually missing uh, that we've we've had back since. Uh, and the fact that they continue to sort of drip back and that there's always that hope. That's one of the things I love about Doctor Who as well, um, is the fact that it's not it's not all been handed to us on a plate. We've had to sort of wait for it to come back and piece it together. And, and actually the the archaeology, there are still some episodes that we can't don't know exactly what happened in. And, you know, we can we can guess from pictures and scripts and all that sort of thing. But but we have to be honest and go that, you know, any single episode that comes back will be will be full of surprises because this would have you know just had a, a vague description and stuff in the in the, in in the script. I suppose we'd have, we'd have had this from episode two, but uh, but well, actually, of course, this episode has this because we don't have all of the fight in the warehouse at the end. All of that film sequence, some of that stuff was cut uh, from the print that we have we got bits of it back from australia or new zealand uh no it's australia i think isn't it but not all of the cuts matched uh one of the cuts matched exactly i remember them saying when they put it together you know it it matched to the frame uh and it's the bit where the worker gets clubbed and sort of bundled up um yes and uh, oh and it's flashing black and white this one yeah just that Michael Ferguson, such a good director, go well. I'm just going to make the titles interesting too. Uh, let's do something with the, 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 those, and and uh, uh, and even make each one slightly different. Uh, and it's very computery writing. Uh, that's a that's a nice shot that. Uh, and I sort of I I I I I like Major Green because they could have had sort of any any sort of character doing this, but it's very much. Um, you know, 
with him and with with Sir Charles and, and Professor Crimp, who's a sort of you know typical sort of fussy professor type, it's 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 that the war machines that Votan has has inveigled his way into the very sort of stereotypes of the that we imagine of the establishment, a very sort of popper major, um, you know, a fussy little scientist. Um, you know, they're they're the sort of figures we were used to seeing being in charge in dramas, uh, and now that they've been sort of alienized it's uh you know it is the sort of equivalent of what the x-files was doing later and i know the x-files has a slightly more sort of grown up or whatever or dark atmosphere or whatever but but that's what this would have seemed like you know that's what this was doing um they do they yeah i and i do feel sorry uh, this is this is great though um because the hum the humanity that bird saved my life isn't it polly show even though polly has been taken over um she she does show a little bit of humanity ultimately but actually this is quite creepy because because polly's great and we've loved polly and she's been funky new 60s girl uh and 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 now here she is being quite you know cold and taken over by an alien uh, or by a, by a, by a computer uh Oh, I'd forget. Oh, oh, I'd for right. Yes. So Ben has been captured, and she looks great, doesn't she? Because she's got those big eyes in the in the shadows. Yeah. The oh dear. And even those double doors are great because they give it a bit of bit of drama, don't they? Uh, and 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 because we don't have incidental music. Uh, you know the 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 noise of the machine uh gives gives the drama it's really interesting when 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 the show doesn't have incidental music because its music is such a vital component <laughs> he's having a drink or something isn't he it's, it must be what time of day is it don't see people drinking that often in doctor who He's uh, now Mr. Rose. If you've never seen Mr. Rose with William Mervyn, uh, it is available on DVD and it, it is a delightful thing. Uh, and he's absolutely brilliant in it. Uh, and it's just a great sort of comedy drama that's jolly and lots of Who actors to spot in it too. But he was a terrific actor and he's one of those actors that looks ancient, but I think he was only in his 60s when he died. Ah, now. Um, Hugh Cecil at the back there is the bald extra. He was uh, he did a lot, quite a lot of bald extra work. Uh, he's one of the technics in uh, Dalek's Master Plan. But yeah, you needed somebody to look bald. You got Hugh Cecil and Kevin Cecil, the comedy writer, is I, 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 a relative of his. Because I remember they put them saying, "Oh, we put our uncle Hugh in something." Um, and of course, the in the machine there, it must have been a beggar to. Uh, control that machine i like the way it's sort of wobbling like because i suppose if it'd been just not moving at all uh you go well how do we know that it's it's moving so it's just wobbling from side to side just to remind you it's alive yeah so is 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 polly's subconscious going uh yeah keep this guy alive so that we can let him escape. 
It's oh, he's worked up a sweat, hasn't he, Ben? Um, yeah. So Brian Hodgson, the uh, special sounds, is on uh, is on overload this week, uh, and is often uh, like with the Crotons. Is another story where there's no incidental music, where uh, it's the electronic sounds that keep the drama going. Bing! Ah, so that there's a there's a bit of stock music. Uh, but there's not much, there's not much music, music, and they do like the crash zooms, don't they, into the uh, into the post office tower. Here's the new thing. Let's make it. Let and here's how funky it is. There's a lot of lights going on as well. Now I think that was a cut. I think that pull away from Votan uh, was stolen from somewhere else because, uh, I, I, I mean, this is this is why. Oh, this this clip was used uh, on a, a a documentary called uh, "Resistance Is Useless," um, which uh, thought the best way to celebrate Doctor Who would be to um, infer it was a bit naff in places. Um, uh, so this is the cut. This is another cut that has been reinstated. So that this was cut, and I, I think it is. There's something really creepy about the way that he's he's bundled up by the machine here. Look at that. I like that. That's great. It's like yeah, he's. Um, so so that was reinstated that bit, and the bit where Crimpton was talking. Uh, it's interesting because that's a cut where it's just going, we will destroy all human life. And they go, no, no, we, 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 the, the people of wherever it is can't, can't stand for the idea that these machines might destroy human life. I mean, don't know what sort of program you think you're watching, but uh, let's let's not yes, let's not have moments where they threaten death and destruction. That's we're, we're, I, <laughs> poor old Polly's knackered. They've ruffled her hair a bit, uh, but uh, it's it's a pretty harsh policy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, as soon as, as soon as you can't work anymore, we'll knock you out and bundle you across. Uh, oh, Polly, you've really fallen hook, line and sinker for it. Um, good old Ben. Uh, these these two make an immediate impact, and you've you've sort of forget you can't imagine Dodo in the story anymore, which is. Which, which is a shame. I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, Quatermass and the Pit, which this starts to resemble very shortly when the soldiers come. And all of this stuff's very good. You know, it's 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 sort of dramatic stuff. I know it's just men in a warehouse doing things, but you know, chucking the gun from one to the other, putting the put putting the the those bomb things in the boxes, and it's it's a, there's, a, there's a real sort of momentum they're preparing for. for actually, I mean, this is all. I mean, yeah, the first three episodes are all about. The preparatory work, really, for for the the spearhead or the invasion or whatever. But that's nice. Anything that shows humanity seeping through into somebody that uh, has been taken over, I think, is quintessential Doctor Who. Uh, is that you know whatever happens, um, if you know a glimmer of what makes humanity special, because yes, we have our problems and there's lots about us that's bad and all that sort of thing. But that, but but the humanity that, you know, does poetry and Shakespeare and beauty and humour and all of those sorts of things that we love, that 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 we like to think make us, you know, make us worth saving. Uh, when those things show through 
that's always a very that's, you know the, the triumph of humanity whatever you like to call humanity yeah, our ability to make a well-prepared meal and enjoy a sunset and Polly does also, of course, survive to make many, many a cup of coffee. So perhaps that's what Peter Davison should have said in Earthshock. The ability to have a nice cup of coffee. Because it's... They're, 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 and, and they're a great contrast for Hartnell, aren't they, Ben and Holly? Because, uh, you know, he's young and active and action. And she's, she's sort of modern and cool and sophisticated. And then you've got the old... That the that the old uh, eccentric guy, and I think I think I I would have happily seen another season of of Hartnell and Ben and Polly. Um, I'd have happily seen another season of Troutman and Ben and Polly, and 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 I love Jamie, um, but you know maybe if the the Highlanders had had come at the end of uh, of uh, Troutman's first season, we could have had a little bit more of these guys because. Because uh, once Fraser comes in and as Lloyd gets out his big red pen again and goes, well, get rid of you guys, uh, just like just just like we did the people that you replaced, harsh. And and as Lloyd, by all accounts, was an absolutely lovely fellow. Um, yeah, Hartnell's in great form in this. Uh, and I and I like the sort of rapport that he he fits in so well with this. It makes you sort of go, I wonder why they didn't have Doctor Who. I mean, Hart, Hartnell is being pert we here essentially, although with slightly less contempt for the man from the Ministry. Um, but he's in absolute command of this situation, and he fits in brilliantly uh, in this in this sort of backdrop. Um, I, I, and I love William Mervyn because he's got that sort of thing of being terribly affronted by the fact that we might be overtaken by aliens. Um, if, yes, if you consider it necessary, Doctor Who, even though I only met you two episodes ago and we've not really been properly introduced. Uh, and, so, and then the army come in and it's, it's, it's the first time we see uh, the British army uh, in uh, Doctor, and I know UNIT are the United Nations Intelligence Task Force, but they're essentially the British Army. Um, uh, and, and of course, my first Doctor Who target novelization was The Web of Fear, so I consider that very much to be the ground zero of Doctor Who, even though I'd seen Doctor Who on the telly. Um, so the Doctor supported by soldiers, and it's a very clever way of the series having its cake and eating it because the Doctor doesn't do guns and violence and that sort of thing. But happy hang around with people who do just in case he needs something blowing up. Uh, and that's the wonderful uh, liberal hypocrisy at the heart of my, my worldview of Doc 2. I know a lot of people see see uh, people who, who are perhaps from the, you know, the right of politics, which I'm not, would go, well, no, what Doc 2 does is he sees a bad thing and uh, he destroys it, which is what we should do with uh, bad things. And, 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 you know, you should be... And, and 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 that is a perfectly legitimate for, for a character who's blown up his fair share of aliens uh, uh that is a perfectly legitimate view and i'm aware that mine is slightly more hypocritical where i go no uh he he doesn't take life and he doesn't hold weapons you go yeah but but he he does let other people do that um uh i, I mean even recently at the end of the uh uh 
the, 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 the timeless children one where, you know, the doctor goes, I can't do this. And then Ian McElhenney from Game of Thrones goes, I can do it because I'm old and don't mind dying. And she goes, well, all right, you can do it then. You go, well, I haven't quite let you off the hook morally, has it? <laughs> excellent. Excellent telephone acting there from William Mervyn. Yeah, very, very good telephone acting, William Mervyn, to give uh, uh, everybody else. Ch- are we still in the studio? Yeah, no, no, we're on, we're on film, and this is great. Look at this. You don't expect to see this sort of stuff with uh, with the Hartnell Doctor at all. I still think it looks quite novel because I'm so used to his his other sorts of adventures that are either in space or in the past. You know, uh, generally. Um, and I think this is thrilling. I think to have been a been a kid watching this used to. Well, I know Alien Planets are thrilling, um, but uh, but there's something so immediate about this. And uh, Frank Jarvis there, he was a good actor uh, who, who who wasn't terribly lucky with Doctor Who after this, playing as he does Scart in Power of Kroll and Buckethead Number Two in Underworld. John Rolfe as the captain, who's a bit luckier because he's in the Green Death uh, and the Moonbase uh, prior to that. Um, he worked... Uh, I felt a bit, he only died last year, John Rolfe. He, he, he did a... Show, my, my brother had one foray into the world of acting as one of the princes in the tower at Ludlow Festival, and John Rolfe was in it, and my brother Paddy said he was absolutely lovely. But when I sent John Rolfe some stuff to sign when he declined to do the Moonbase commentary for us um, and people decline for various reasons they want to travel they're ill don't remember anything um, but he wrote a thing back saying no no thanks but no thanks so I sent him some stuff to get signed because we do some sort of charity charity things you know picture frames and stuff to then get as many signatures as we as, as we can uh, uh, he sent them and I sent them recorded delivery he sent them back but didn't sign them uh, no cover note and you go oh it's because now and i and i know because some elderly people go oh well it's because they will be sold on ebay yeah, there's any reasons why people i think people feel that they could potentially be exploited so but it just and i'd said in the thing oh my brother was in richard the third with you and blah blah but no nothing i thought i thought that that yeah anyway shame uh but he's a good actor uh, and he's good as the captain in this. Now we we're missing some of this battle. I know that uh, the restoration team uh, pieced this together as best they could, um, and you know they listened to the soundtrack and go, okay, we've got these and those bits. But there's still some bits that were deemed too violent for everywhere. Um, so we've probably got a couple of really good deaths or something, or or scary moments of peril uh, that we've lost out on. Uh, but this is brilliant. I love all of this stuff. And, and poor old Alan Curtis is in the studio uh, in close-up doing all the sort of doing all the dialogue really uh, it's quite there's quite a lot of onus actually on him and John Cater and John Harvey where they're having to do most of the speaking about what's going but it's it's not terribly rewarding stuff to do um, and, it, and it, you know it's not dialogue that really sort of means anything it's just sort of the enemies are in the building they must be destroyed um, uh, uh, just to have something to sort of cut back to, uh, but it's quite peculiar, and uh, and I think they're rather heroic. Um, 
so yeah, there's some scrapping. Now I think that that worker fighting there is the same worker that gets knocked out earlier. So we think he must be a stunt man. Um, so yeah, we don't know exactly uh, what we're missing here, and I know there's a few reversals and a few cutaways, and uh, and and of course it's not quite clear because the. Uh, the, the, and there's an actor called Robin Dawson who's credited as soldier, but there's not a soldier who, who has a line. So he, I don't know if he gets a particular death or something, but we don't know who he is. We can't even we don't even know which one he is really, because um, there are lots of soldiers, but there doesn't seem to be one that gets a special thing to do that isn't the sergeant John Boy Brent, the captain John Rolfe, or the corporal Frank Jarvis. Um, Yeah, go on, Alan. You, you keep giving us bits of dialogue. Uh, I, I suppose that could be Robin Dawson, could it? Because he gets a bit to do. But, he's, he's, but that's stunt work, isn't it? Um, um, but yeah, this is this is very modern uh, for for Doctor Who of this of this time. Um, yeah, run away, run away. Um, Oh, somebody's going to get killed here. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, because the guns aren't working. So it's... I think it's... Yeah, I, I I wondered if it was... How clear it was whether the guns are working or not. But, yeah. Because you're expecting a big sort of... Sort of battle. There's a fantastic moustache on that uh, that soldier with the swagger cane at the back. Uh, I wonder if that was his own moustache. Uh, you can tell from the quality of this. This is the, some of the stuff that's been reinserted. Uh but it's not it's not massive it's not hugely distinct is it and it's for and yeah some of it's very uh unclear um but i mean deliberately so because the you know fight sequences are you know fight sequences with quick cuts and everything are uh that helps to sell them because you know with a static wide camera or just a couple of couple of cameras on it in the studio it can look a bit it can look a bit naff as some studio bound fights in doctor who have Proved over the years, but I think uh, Michael Ferguson is, is is a good action director. So I think you know his use of close-ups and slightly indistinct shots also helps us cover it when when there's um, indistinct. Look at that moustache. I wonder if I wonder if he was you know somebody. We we need somebody to play a scene. Oh, Wilf's got, get that guy Wilf. He's 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 got his own moustache because sometimes you say like you know I've got my own taxi cab or you know I've got my own got my own Horse. got my own i've got my own military mustache i love this shot because uh, remember that was that was used on the video when they showed some of the the film sequences um, and this stuff looks gorgeous yeah look look at that that is beautiful uh that is absolutely gorgeous pristine film looks like it was done yesterday doesn't it um uh, and and having those soldiers and look at that that's that's cracking i love all of this this is this is really exciting and uh, thrilling and pat gorman as if as if you couldn't ask for anything more pat gorman has obviously changed sides because he was he was one of the uh he, he was one of the the working baddies last week um yeah that now there's there's the guy with the okay moustache uh, at the back but there's a there's another guy with an even better moustache. I mean, you could, uh, yeah, you could uh, you could certainly get a grip on those if uh, the situation required you to. Um, 
Now this is interesting because obviously I haven't got all of the the, the film snippets because this isn't quite so good quality as uh, as uh, as the uh, the other stuff. So it's really has been sort of pieced together. But I, I have to say it's it, it is slightly. I, I know it's a a, a plot thing that uh, the, the guns don't work, but of course. And, and so it's a very clever way of having a cake and eating it. So we've got lots of soldiers charging around, but we don't have to spend any money on blank ammunition and all of that sort of thing. But uh, it does mean you miss a lot. You know, if you're after boys' own adventure, you do lose a bit of the a bit of the exciting gunfire. Um, but this is magnificent. Everybody runs off, and Doctor Who, look at him. What a hero. Uh, unperturbed. He isn't going to back off. And it's great because it's a cliffhanger of, well, it's not just that the Doctor's in danger because he obviously doesn't think he is, but it's a kind of, what the hell is going on? Uh, and the light, again, the use of that light, that's brilliant. I love that. Um, although it's quite it's quite unclear, isn't it? You go, what, what, what's happening? Um, but that's, that's, the, uh, that's what makes you uh, uh, tune in next week. So yeah, worker Eddie Davis and soldier Robin Dawson. Well, I don't think we're quite sure exactly exactly which of the which of those two guys are, because there's plenty of workers and there's plenty of soldiers, but uh, uh, and and they're not they're not guys that have, have we've seen in anything else. That's as far as I can remember from in my uh, trying to work out, uh, you know everything we know about every single credited performer in Doctor Who. I know there's uh, there's always been a little bit of uh, uh, mystery or uncertainty around those two, but you don't care about that. What you care about is... Uh, there's an actor called Edward David in uh, The Quatermass Experiment playing Indian journalist, which makes you probably quite pleased that that episode doesn't exist because it would probably be fairly awkward. Um... But Edward David, uh, I've never seen in anything else either. And from I remember when I think I first saw this and the credits were quite indistinct, I was like, is it Eddie David? Oh, hang on, have I found... No, Eddie Davis. So uh, I don't think he's the same as Edward David. Um, and it's interesting because you think of, oh, well, it could be because they're quite close to each other. Well, no, The War Machines is 13 years after the Quatermass experiment. So plenty of time for somebody to stop acting or die or do whatever, you know. Um, but we think of the, you know, if you, if you don't think about it too hard, you think, oh, well, they're probably not, you know, they didn't, didn't follow on too long. Well, actually, yeah, the War Machines is, is the equivalent of... Uh, of 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 you know er, early Tom Baker away from away from the first episode, which you know we consider quite a stretch. Um, so although Quatermass was was a little before, it was actually long enough before. God, it was already thirteen years old. No wonder I was scuppered when I started looking to it because I wasn't even born until anyway uh, until uh, what? How many years after this was I born? Uh, eight years after this. Um, so yeah, Quatermass Experiment was 21 years old when I was born. My goodness. Um, anyway, what is Pip Maidley's favourite? Well, what is my favourite thing? What is my favourite thing about uh, the War Machines episode? Three. Uh, is it the cliffhanger? Is it the... Is it the stuff? Well, Pip's going to choose something daft, isn't he? Uh... uh 
I do like the I do like the stuff that, with the soldiers. Um, I do like Polly's glimmer of humanity. Uh, I think, but I think I'm going to go for that cliffhanger because it's a, because because Hartnell often, you know, certainly in this period has a rap for being a you know not not, not always on, on top of his game. I think he's absolutely majestic in this, and I think he looks great. Uh, and because the cliffhanger's got the light going on as well, but as well as that shot, um, I'm going to go for the cliffhanger for episode three. Um, what's Pip going for? Okay, on to three. Great thing number three is the cliffhanger to episode three. I think it's fantastic. You've got the army doing a runner after that pretty interminable battle scene, which goes on and on and on. The war machine's on the warpath. It's got a massive fire extinguisher, which seems to have the opposite effect of actually setting stuff on fire. Well, I don't understand why that works, but there you go. And you've got the doctor stood in its way. He steps towards the machine. He's got his thumbs on his lapels, straightens his back, Totally defiant, iconic William Hartnell moment. So that's number three. Oh, and it's also worth mentioning that if you watch carefully, you can actually see William Mervyn, who plays Sir Charles Summer. You can see him accidentally bump his head <laughs> on one of the arches. Watch it, and I promise you, you'll never not see it again. Ah, well, I might go back and watch that. Uh, so. Yeah, good. Now, so if you've just watched The War Machines, now go back and watch it all over again, but without me chuntering through it, because I'm going to stop now uh, and uh, I will return for the conclusion of this in the next episode of Happy Times and Places. Uh, I hope this has transported you to one or both of those things. Uh, thanks very much for watching and or listening, and um, I will be speaking to you very shortly. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, presented as ever by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is Pip Maidley, wizard of Twitter, uh, who can be followed at Pip Maidley, and his feed is full of joyous Doctor Who-related fun and nonsense, and I know you'll have a good time there, so give him a follow. I would like to thank the patrons who support this podcast, and they include Charles Coffin, Ruben Herfindahl, Rob Dawson, Robert Davis... Tim Dickinson, Paul Dykes, Andrew East, Mark Findlay-Smith, David Gillespie, Charles Gears, Lisa Gledhill, Robin Groen, Paul J. Guest, Susan Harrison, Steve Hatcher, Duncan Harvey, Simon Hodges, Sam Hollingsworth, Matthew Hooliston, Darren Howard, Gregory Hudson, David Hughes, Paul Ingerson, Robert Jewell, Christopher Joyce, and Votan. The music is by Dave Gates. If you too would like to submit to the Ville of Votan and become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash where you get your mind taken over. Uh, but it's all right because your will has been sapped that you'll enjoy the extra goodies, the uh, exclusive material, the releases well in advance of what the great unwashed are getting. You dirty people, you're just on the war machines. The clean ones in Patronville, oh my goodness, the delights they've had. Inferno, Family of Blood, all sorts of things by the time you listen to this on iTunes, where, by the way, if you give this five stars... Uh, and a few lines of positive review. It really...
really, really helps with algorithms and passing trade and all sorts of horrible cyberspace shenanigans that we have to do well if we're to get the attention that we crave. When I say we, I mean I. I'm pretending there's a team and a group of people. It's just, it's just me yelling into thin air. Uh, but don't make it in vain. Don't make it in vain. Give me the attention my father never gave me. Uh, or you can go to kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock and chuck me a few quid to shut up. Well, no, actually, if you chuck me a few quid, I won't shut up. I'll carry on talking. If that's what you want, if you want me to shut up, um, oh, just ignore me and I'll go away eventually, eventually, but not just yet. If you really like the talking thing, go to Excess Malarkey Comedy Club every Tuesday in Manchester at 8pm. I'm the regular MC and there's usually four excellent comedians on and it's a not-for-profit comedy club so uh, it charges very, very small entry fee. Uh, And online we do it once a month on twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. That's actually free, although there is a donation option and it's four comics from the international comedy circuit with inevitably me banging on again. So... all this stuff is, is mostly me. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs>